0: I'm Rochelle Jackson. Welcome to The Crime Couch. I'm an investigative journalist and true crime author, and I know who's who in the zoo, the crims, the cops, and the interesting individuals in between. So get comfy and join me each week on The Crime Couch for a rollicking, intriguing tale It'll be one heck of a journey. Jeff Tulloch is a former superintendent with Victoria Police. He was known as being very honest, meticulous in his record keeping, with a keen eye for detail. Jeff worked in the mobile traffic section, the second hand dealer squad, the crime cars and did several stints as a law instructor and in the training research section before finishing at the police academy. Well, I'm sitting with Jeff on the crime couch in Melbourne's northeastern suburbs. Hi Jeff, thanks very much for sitting with me on the crime couch today.
1: Thank you for the opportunity. Much appreciated.
0: Now, you spent 32 years in the job. Why did you join the police
1: service, Jeff? I was working with my parents in a general store in New South Wales, Wentworth, and uh, my father decided to sell out. And uh, at that age, um, I had to find a vocation. I didn't have a formal education at that stage. That came later, and uh, along with another few members from uh, that district, I joined and on the 14th of December, 1956.
0: What did being in the police service for 32 years, what did it teach you about people?
1: The variety of people you come across in the police force is uh, from the very best to the very worst and most people are very good and uh, once they have your trust, they will respect you and they will reciprocate with the service that you are obliged to give as a member of the government.
0: You spend a, a considerable time in your career as an instructor training others. Why did you do that? What, what do you actually get from passing on your skills?
1: Tremendous satisfaction in seeing a person or persons Uh, leave with the knowledge that they didn't have when they entered a course and uh, giving them the benefit and the qualifications and education to perform their duties more efficiently.
0: What about you personally? What did you personally get from it?
1: The satisfaction of seeing that person or those persons achieve something they never had before you, Gave them the information.
0: What makes a good police officer, Jeff?
1: First and foremost, honesty. Second, pride in the uniform. Thirdly, you're serving the public. They pay your wages. You've got to give an answer to that. And uh, it's a very, very rewarding career.
0: It's a job you've got an enormous amount of accountability for as well. And did you also find that? Did that come to you naturally?
1: Yes, I had no problem with accountability because if you play honestly and straight down the line and within the bounds of the law, uh, it's an extremely rewarding uh, career.
0: You also wrote a... uh a very powerful motorbike when you're in the mobile traffic section. A 1958 Ariel Square. Now, how did your bike end up in the police
1: museum, Jeff? How on earth? The bike that I handed in back in the 1950s, I was at home one evening when I read a, a newspaper some 10 years ago and a person from an eastern suburb, had found that particular bike in a thousand pieces in the backyard of an Ivanhoe house, and still had the number plate applicable, and he put an ad in the paper, and a miracle occurred when I just happened to read that page of the paper one night at 10 o'clock. I nearly jumped over the moon, (laughs) and uh, a consequent phone call, I realised That was the bike that I rode all over Victoria.
0: It was a very powerful bike. Um, Tell us a bit about the 1958 Aerial Foursquare. What made it so powerful?
1: Firstly, it was one of the few motorbikes in the world that had four cylinders. And four cylinders, 1,000cc, apart from another English bike, was the most powerful bike in the world at the time. And uh, made in England, and uh, shipped out here to Australia for the Victoria Police Force to use. So it's a very powerful
0: bike. So when you ended up leaving the bike, I think you were dro- you were sort of brooming around Bensdale, um, and you the bike left. I think the job in about 1962. This enthusiast must have found the bike, and then how did did you manage to contact this person how did it still end up in the museum
1: when uh, i was given the opportunity to purchase the bike the situation was such that i wasn't able to do so and i got in touch with uh, uh, the commissioner of police and the assistant commissioner gave them the story arranged to have lunch with them at the William Street Police Headquarters, and I walked out with the uh, authority to spend $18,000 and buy that motorbike for the police museum. And uh, the rest is history, as they say. The rest is history. It's almost as it was in my day, a couple of minor modifications. but it is still there with its police siren and saddlebags and uh, as is. And uh, I've managed to get through the police department and the motor registration branch, the original number plate, CF107, put back on that bike. Currently in the police museum, new police headquarters, Spencer Street, Melbourne.
0: That's extraordinary. It must've been like reuniting with an old friend.
1: Well, gosh having sat on the saddle of that bike for two years. And uh, all over Victoria, as far as the New South Wales border, as far as uh, Nowana, Omeo, uh, all over the vic- eastern Victoria, amazing. What a story.
0: Were you a good motorcyclist, Jeff?
1: I was a safe motorcyclist, uh, except when you had to chase offenders, and I have done that. Unfortunately, regretting sometimes what the consequences could have been when you were travelling over at 100 miles per hour, miles per hour, 150 feet a second, and uh, the consequences consequences would have been absolutely fatal. But they were—you were young, you took risks, uh, calculated risks. But uh, unforeseen, it could have been, well, a lot of policemen have unfortunately had serious accidents on police motorbikes. I was lucky. I never had one. Never had an accident. Not one. Well. well, say one, I was stationed at an intersection in Ivanhoe when a motorist who was uh, not keeping a good lookout ran into the back of me, damaged the mud, back yard, got out. Humbly apologized, said he should have been more alert. I was stopped at red lights.
0: <laughs> what a great story! So, um, in October 1966, you had a rather unique encounter with a famous American, uh, Jeff, didn't you? Uh, can you tell us what happened, please?
1: Lyndon Baines Johnson, the American president, was visiting Australia, and uh, I was. Re- Together with uh, some other detectives, uh, were assigned to work with the American Secret Service uh, for his security here. And uh, one particular occasion meant going to Government House uh, and giving him security while he had attended a ball, a function held for celebrities. And uh, it got to be about 10:30, 11 o'clock at night. Very late, I was extremely tired. So I opened the door to an anteroom off the hallway going to the ballroom, sat down, have a shut eye for a few seconds, and the door burst open. And much to my surprise, Lyndon Baines Johnson, president of the United States burst in, sat down and said, God, it's great to have a rest. Who are you? I said, well, I'm your secret service security. <laughs> And uh, we had a conversation, short may it have been. Uh, He got out his pen with his name on it and said, Jeff, take this, keep it. My compliments. And uh, uh, nice to have a few minutes with you. I must get back to the ballroom. And out he went.
0: How extraordinary. How would you describe him? What sort of person was Lyndon, Lyndon B. Johnston? What was he like?
1: He was a very big man. Um, and
0: uh, As in, like, physically big?
1: F- phys- physically very big and had a very strong voice. Uh, had no trouble accepting the fact that I was in a suit, clothes, as his security. Just accepted that. I could have been anybody in an unused room where he found to have a few minutes rest.
0: And did he have a cigarette, or what did he do? How did he, how did he relax?
1: I never called him having a cigarette, no. He just sat back and huffed and puffed a little bit and uh, spoke to me uh, just briefly, and he wasn't there too long. And uh, I was absolutely astonished and amazed to think, where the security... He went into a room that hadn't been checked, and uh, things could have been much different.
0: Well, he he went in there by himself, so you could have been anyone.
1: He went in there by himself. He took a risk.
0: What an extraordinary occurrence. Like, what are the odds of that, of him opening the door and him walking through it?
1: Uh, It just wouldn't happen. It's seen is believing. To actually be a participant in that particular incident is mind-boggling. I still... Just can't believe it happened, and had it been a negative, uh, a problem there, all well, heck would have
0: blown up. He had a very successful tour, from my limited reading about about his uh, visit in in Australia. In fact, he was there were crowds everywhere. He was incredibly popular president, wasn't he?
1: Yes, he was. Except that in St Kilda Road. There was a young fellow who was anti-American called Rufus Youngblood. Strangely enough, it was a tin of red paint that he threw over the presidential car with President Johnson in it while they were travelling from the city down to Government House. So did you nab him? Well I wasn't present at that, but it made the headlines all over Australia and the USA. I bet it would have.
0: Now, you, Jeff, also worked with my father, Bill Jackson, in the second-hand dealer squad uh, with a renowned boss, a, a gentleman, and I do say that underlined, uh, Reg Henderson, the detective with a photographic memory. Tell me, how do you recall Reg Henderson?
1: Probably one of the most, well, I'm almost stumped for words, one of the most amazing men I have ever met. And... Uh, I was lucky enough with Bill Jackson and uh, two or three other boys to be chosen by him personally to go on his small staff in the second hand dealer squad. And Reg treated us humanely and uh, taught us so much about uh, how he caught criminals from photographs and I had, naturally enough, the opportunity to be with him on several occasions When out of the blue, Reds would say to me, Jeff, in that crowd of people, go over and get that man or go over and get that woman. They're wanted. Some of them from outside Australia. uh, Just astonishing. An amazing man. And when you read his history, uh, he was unique in that he was obviously born with this uh, talent. Most people haven't got it but Reg had this amazing talent for memorising faces and arresting people from 10, 20 years previously, seeing them in crowded streets, at races, race meetings, at wherever you went. And uh, I've been with Reg, even going home from work one night at the busy Flinders Street, Swanson Street intersection, He said to me outside St. Paul's Cathedral, Jeff, see that man dressed as such and such in that crowd of people waiting for a tram, go and get him. Mm. I went and got the man, brought him back to Reg. What's he wanted for Reg? Jeff, this man is wanted in New Zealand for serious criminal offences. And that was one of many occasions I was with Reg, went out of the blue He would cite some he'd never met before in crowds of hundreds of people. Unbelievable. He
0: he sounds like an extraordinary man and and I know my father also speaks extremely highly of him, as does anyone I speak to that remembers Reg Henderson. (music) Jeff, you also recognised for your bravery you received a commendation at one stage involving a crook I think that you have described as a psychopath. So what happened, Jeff?
1: The scenario I will outline now relates to being on reserve duty at Russell Street, pending anything happening that required assistance. And we were directed to go and try and track a psychopath, male person, about 40 years of age, who had just fired a shotgun in Molino's hotel up near Parliament House. He'd left the hotel and we had a very d- good description of him and the OC of the CIB sent another detective and myself to an area in Spring Street, Latrobe, and Lonsdale and uh, detectives went elsewhere. We spotted the man at the corner of Spring Street and Lonsdale Street and approached him and uh, he was wearing, he was a tall man, about six foot four, wearing an army green, dark green jacket and uh, he pushed an article through the jacket, overcoat, into my stomach and said back off. Well, he didn't pull the trigger, it turned out to be a sawn-off shotgun, the one he had accidentally fired in the hotel a few minutes before, prior to going to murder a doctor, which never happened. So uh, it was just luck that my colleague, the detective and myself, he didn't pull the trigger or we would have been uh, dead and gone. Yep.
0: So as a result, you received a commendation, is that right, for your, for your bravery, I believe, with that incident?
1: Yes, that uh, occurred, uh, commendatory award occurred and appeared in the Victoria Police Gazette of November 1965 that uh, Detective Collins and I were both commended for courage and devotion to duty, which led to the arrest of an armed and dangerous offender. Well done, Geoff.
0: You finished as a superintendent at the Police Academy. In your time in the job, how did police training change?
1: The main change in training uh, physically was the move from the St Kilda Road Police Depot that was historically there since 1836, Uh, and they'd bought 50 acres of land at Glen Waverley and we moved to Glen Waverley into a much more modern structure. The actual delivery of law lectures and training remained basically the same. Um, I did have the opportunity to go to American study training in Los Angeles and Detroit and some country centres and uh, our training in Victoria uh, is equal to anything in LA and um, it was probably the efforts of each individual law instructor, how they presented uh, to get the results that were required by the, the department.
0: What do you think today's police members could learn from police veterans like yourself, Jeff?
1: Well having arrested over 400 criminal offenders and dealt with thousands and thousands of incidents, uh, the true stories are what the recruits like to hear. So they can put them into real time, real scenarios, real situations. For example, um, going to an address in West Heidelberg to tell a man his daughter died in an accident. And before I had the opportunity to say that, he told me to in bad language to get off the premises. When I managed to tell him the true story, it was come in and have a cup of tea, sit down, and I drove him to the hospital to uh, go through the formalities of his deceased daughter.
0: There's always an enormous difference, isn't there, between the training that you receive at the academy and the real life training, which I don't think any amount of training in an academy can prepare you for.
1: Yes, distinctly different. Theory is theory, practice is practice, and the best policemen are those that have good intelligence and an extremely practical approach to dealing with every individual. Everyone you meet is different. How true. How would you like to be
0: remembered in the job, Jeff?
1: I think, one, to be remembered as been honest, did the job to the best of my ability, and in particular helped so many other younger members, guide them to do better themselves.
0: Finally, what advice would you give to today's police members?
1: Well, it's a difficult question because times have changed And um, what probably was required in my day is different today. For example, shiny shoes, wear your hat, collar and tie, (laughs) smartly dressed. uh, That's all changed so much that I find it hard to comprehend that presentation, first sight of a policeman dressed well. Uh, And well-spoken means a lot today. Yes, they have it. It's so different. I don't really understand it to the degree to answer that question appropriately. They're very different today. They've got tattoos. They, uh,
0: you know, members have all sorts of uh, um, different things that they wear. And, of course, there's now a completely different uniform. But ostensibly the character of the police members is still the same. What do you think if you were training now, uh, what would you what would you
1: be telling police members? First and foremost, honesty. Secondly, perform the duty to the best of your ability. Thirdly, study hard, learn the law, have good knowledge of police procedure, and treat other people as you'd like to be treated yourself at all times. Geoff, it's been an absolute pleasure sitting with you
0: today on The Crime Catch. Thank you very much and uh, all the very best.
1: Well, thank you. Very much appreciated.
0: Thanks for joining me. I'm Rochelle Jackson and I look forward to your company next time on The Crime Catch.